As we draw nearer to the return of Jesus, we are told in the Bible that iniquity will abound even more than in previous years. Jesus says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Matthew 24. I've seen this happen in our church group. There was a woman that came into our church group in the 1980s. She was really on fire to hear things of God. When I talked to her, she really wanted to hear what God had said to me. Approximately 35 years later, this same woman was totally different. When I would call her on the phone and tell her what God had shown me about a scripture or about a situation, she got deathly quiet. She really didn't want to hear what God had said. But when I talked to her about a TV show, she came alive. That's where her heart was. Her heart was toward things of this world. And she had drifted away from things of God. How can that happen? Well, that can happen to any one of us. We really work to keep the fire toward the Word of God burning because there is so much iniquity today that we can get to thinking, oh, what does it matter? It really doesn't matter. Little things really don't matter. It really doesn't matter if the divorced woman remarries. It really doesn't matter if someone's homosexual. That's just the way it is. That's not what the Bible says, though. So you see, if you let those scriptures slide away and you start taking in things of the world from what the television shows you, your love can grow cold and you can turn away from the scriptures and be lost in the end. You may have heard once saved, always saved doctrine, but Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. We should be able to see by that that our name could be blotted out of the book of life by Jesus. He that endures to the end shall be saved. He that overcomes by the word of God, holding fast to the word of God, continuing to confess the word of God in the midst of the sin of this world. There have been many times I've had a church person say something to me that I knew was contrary to Bible. And I would say, but the Bible says this. And I would quote the Bible. And that person would get very quiet and usually vanish from me. 
not wanting to be around me again. That's all right. Let them go. If the unbeliever depart, let him depart. God's called us to live in peace, and I have found that I cannot live in peace with unbelieving church people, with people who say Jesus is Lord while they deny the scriptures, and they try to explain away the scriptures. I just don't want to hear them explain away the scripture. I think it's dangerous for me. When that happens, I have to call on God to restore me, to restore my soul, to help me to regain my balance by the truth, the scriptures. And sometimes it's a job to get those scriptures planted in my heart again and to get the evil spoken by the church person uprooted. I have found that I have to leave them alone when they show they will not heed the scriptures. I have to just walk away from them and not try to visit with them. And I don't send them birthday cards anymore. I don't call and see how they're doing. I know how they're doing. They explained away the scripture. I don't have to find out how they're doing. I know. And they almost swept me away with their words. It's dangerous. Paul said the last days would be perilous times, and I truly believe this is exactly where we are. World War II, no one had to explain that was perilous times. Everybody knew the peril during World War II, but today it is so different. But before long, if you don't watch it, that stuff we hear on TV creeps into us. We have to fight. Often I'll be watching a TV show and the Holy Spirit will remind me of a scripture. And I have to stop that TV show and think about that scripture that I've just heard. This happened to me recently. I was watching a biography about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. They were praising Lucille Ball for all she did, and she was a great comedian. I don't doubt that. She was likely a great businesswoman. She ran the major studio of Desilu Productions. And Carol Burnett and other famous people were coming on screen praising her. And I heard from the Holy Spirit. And this is what I heard. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I turned the show off. Often when a famous person dies, I will think, yes, but what about your soul? What, where are you now? What are you facing now? What does all this fame mean? Now, to some people, they are caught up in money and they admire rich people, and they think on rich people. In my case, my tendency is to think on the fame and the works the person has done, and I have to be very careful about that. And I will say, but where are you now? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? 
some of the preachers love to tell how they've gone all over the world preaching the gospel and how they've had a million people come to their meetings or 400,000 or 500,000 come to their meetings. And next time they have, they're going to have a million and things like that. Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass land and sea to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders of his day when he said that. Matthew 23. They make themselves look real good on the outside, Jesus says, but inside they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This is what we do not want to do. No matter how much we can gain out there, to deny a scripture in order to gain it is giving away our own soul. I've had this happen myself In 1980, when God put me on radio, my pastor came to me and said, Joan, you need to sign with Michael Ellison Advertising Agency for they can do you a lot of good. Well, of course, I wanted to be famous like they are, so I signed with Michael Ellison Advertising Agency. But they told me to do things that I knew were wrong. In order to promote me, they told me to do things I knew were wrong. God had shown me things to do that they told me not to do. So I had to make a choice to either obey the agency or to obey God. I couldn't do both because the instructions were opposite. For example... The agency told me to put these words on all my printed material and on the outside of my envelopes. Send me your prayer request. And I said to them, I don't want to do that. They were shocked. I said, they should pray. I don't want them sending me prayer requests. I don't have more power with God than they do. We all go to God by Jesus Christ, and if we pray according to the will of God, he will answer our prayers. You don't need to send your prayers to me. I even tell people, don't do that. You pray. You pray. The agent said to me, Well, Joan, you're missing a good bet if you don't do this, because when they open the envelope, when they send the prayer request, they'll put some money in the envelope usually with the prayer request. It was a fundraising gimmick. Well, I didn't do it. They said to me, Joan, we can fill Soldiers and Sailors Auditorium in Pittsburgh for you when you go into Pittsburgh for one of your meetings. All you have to do is don't offend anybody. I'm a prophet. Prophets constantly offend people. Because prophets are shown to speak certain things that are going to hit at the heart of the sin that's being committed by that person in that church group. And they'll be convicted of their sin, and if they don't turn to God, they'll strike out at the prophet. This happens all the time. It's all through the Bible. 
So I couldn't obey the ad agency. They told me, they said, before you send out any written materials, you must first send them to us that we can edit what you write. So it won't offend anyone. I wasn't going to do something like that. Paul said, do I now please God or man? For if I yet pleased men, I would not be the servant of Christ. That's in Galatians 1. There was a point in time I had to speak judgment messages on my radio broadcast. The manager of the radio station in Seattle was waiting for me outside the door of my meeting room. He said to me, Joan, you have many good messages. Just speak those. If you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit rose up in me to answer George, and I said to him, yet not I, but God, said through me, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, and I may as well be put off the air. If you don't have anything to say, there's no reason for you to be there. And many of these people hold back the truth from God in order to please their congregations and their radio audiences and television audiences. We all would like to speak nothing but pleasant things, pleasant to the ears. But what you need to hear is warnings. Jesus is coming, and he will gather up the church, the ones who are like Noah and Lot. Those are the ones who are going to be gathered up before the Great Tribulation. For we know also by the Bible that there will be elect of God left on this earth and they will go through the great tribulation. For Jesus says in Matthew 24, except those days are shortened, no elect, no flesh would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, the days will be shortened of the great tribulation. So we know there are going to be people of the church left on this earth during the Great Tribulation. Now, who will be taken off? Well, Jesus tells us who will be taken off. It's in Luke 17, start at verse 26. Jesus says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. 
Noah was taken out before the flood. Lot was taken out before the destruction of Sodom. The angel that came to rescue Lot even told him, I can't destroy this city until you are removed. And he took his hand and laid it on Lot's hand, and he laid it on Lot's wife and daughter's hands, and he drug them out of Sodom. And then the fire and brimstone struck. The righteousness of Noah and Lot have to be there. If we walk in the Spirit of God, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, says Paul. If we pay attention to what the Holy Spirit says and obey that, we will have to deny our flesh and what it wants to do because the flesh and the Spirit fight each other. They are contrary to one another. So if you obey the Spirit of God, you will flee fornication. If you obey the flesh, you will commit fornication. If you obey the Spirit of God, You will not speak things of hatred to another person. If you obey the flesh, you'll tell them off. And how do we control the flesh? By the Spirit. By yielding to what God tells us, what the Word of God says about the matter. Concerning our tongue, James chapter 1 have a problem with your tongue, and most of us do from time to time, James chapter 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Deion Sanders, who's a famous football player, proclaimed several years ago that he was born again and a Christian. I saw him just recently with a shirt on which said, a t-shirt, which said something like, say what you think and let everything hang out. Oh, this is this. We can't do this. As Christians, this, we can't go that way. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. We have to bridle our mouth. How do we do that? Many times I've done it by just knowing that the flesh wanted to say something that would not be edifying to that other person or wanted to tell them off. And I've just said, God, please don't let me say that. And every time that I have inwardly prayed, God, please don't let me say that. I've walked away from that situation and I've kind of been surprised because I realized I didn't say that. See, God answered my prayer. He didn't allow me to say things of the flesh to that person. There are sometimes God will have us speak very harshly to a person. That's all right if it is God offering it. But if it's our own flesh offering it, it is not all right. So we have to know which is which. 
In verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10, we read, Exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we feel Jesus is nearer to approaching, exhort one another even more. Exhort means to urge earnestly by advice and warning. Most of us would rather not do that, probably. I have to fight to make myself do it. But I know it is godly to do that. To warn another person concerning the way he is going, especially warning the church. For verse 26 says, If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Before we are born again, we commit the sins of the flesh, the works of the flesh in various ways. But after we are born again, we are created as new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So to sin willfully, after you have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sin. You would have to crucify Jesus afresh. So what's going to happen to us if we know something is wrong and go out and do it? So we read in Hebrews 10, Exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 29. Of how much sore punishment thought ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, the Word of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. There is no more sacrifice for our sins after we're born again. So we walk in the Spirit instead of walking in the flesh. We obey what God says to us by the Spirit. We hold back from doing those things we once did. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The Holy Spirit will rise up in us in the time of the temptation to warn us, go another way. If you're tempted to drink alcoholic beverages, the Holy Spirit might say, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
So it's up to us to turn from that and go in the way of the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not forbid us to drink alcoholic beverages. It forbids us to be drunken. But if your tendency is to be drunken, you have to work out a plan to go another way following the Spirit of God or you'll condemn yourself. If your tendency is to lust for money and to go out there and get jobs that you hate in order to get more money, you are walking into terrible destruction for yourself. You may say, well, I'm doing it for my family. No, the thing you do for your family, if you want to do something for your family, live a godly life according to the Word of God and follow the Word of God which warns us about this love of money. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 5, the Apostle Paul said, If you're around people who suppose that gain is a sign of godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain We can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. By following after money, we are going to go in a way of destruction. If you take a job you hate in order to get money or more money, you're going in a way of destruction. Instead, pray and ask God to help you find a job that you enjoy and be content with that amount of money. But so many people get in debt so deeply that they covet money. It's amazing. It's a terrible, terrible trap. Some people go on strict food diets so they can enjoy their food and be content with it. And they go into those strict food diets in order to attract more people to themselves. It's a terrible trap. Begin to do the things that you see in the Bible Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What do you do first thing in the morning? When you get out of bed, do you, as you're having breakfast, turn on the television to hear the world news? Or do you like to go get the newspaper and read about the news and entertain yourself with newspaper? Is that your way of life? If so, I really think you're in trouble. For what our desire should be is to build ourselves up in the Word of God. We work out ways to keep 
the Word of God before us, especially to reinforce us with those portions of Scripture which have been called to our attention by the Holy Spirit, such as the other day when I had called to my attention, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Keep that before you day and night. Start out with that in the morning. End your day with those portions of the Word of God that you have collected. Things the Holy Spirit has said to you. Strengthening yourself in the way of God. For this world is filled with iniquity and ways opposite to the Word of God. And in the end times, many will be swept away because they paid more attention to the sayings of the world and the flesh wants to be entertained and the flesh wants excitement. And sometimes I've, I've even had church people say to me, they read the Bible, but they rush through it in order to get to something more exciting. Oh, they are already lost. They just don't know it. They've given themselves over to their own flesh, but they don't realize it. When you think the Bible's dead, and you think you've got to read one chapter a day, no matter what, and you sit down and you just want to rush through it in order to get to something more exciting, you may as well not be reading it at all. We who belong to God work to keep the Word of God before us day and night. And we have tendencies. Sometimes we don't feel that it's as alive as other times. Maybe we've participated a little bit too much in television or something. And it's grown a little dimmer to us. Well, we just have to work harder. In times like that, I just sit down and pray for God to open my eyes to see, help me. And also, I take scriptures that I've collected and look at them. Just read them. Before long, I'll come across one of those scriptures that kind of makes me feel alive again. It happens to all of us. It is a battle for faith. The Apostle Paul said, Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. I believe that's Philippians 2, where he said that. It's somewhere in the book of Philippians. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Do what you think makes the scripture more alive to you. Keep it before you day and night. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.